Hey, Reach Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our Sunday morning service with our guest speaker and the son of the house, Pastor Michael Hernandez of Reclaim Church in Hutto, Texas, and the message about losing the Holy Spirit. Enjoy this message. You guys can sit down. By the way, she was talking about spiritual weight, okay? <laughs> Maybe she was also hinting another type of weight. <laughs> but I want to thank you guys for the honor. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, man, we, of course, I want, first, before I get into the message, I want to honor my wife. As she said, you know, we've got a lot, to, a lot of things to carry, but, but God is good, and so is she. And so <laughs> it's good to have her close, have her with us and, and with me. And, um, and then we have our four kids. I think I have a picture. I don't know if you guys have that, a picture of our family. Yeah, it cut me out. Yeah, that's, that's this is life right here, guys. <laughs> is how it is. Uh, this is my son, Liam. He was actually born when we were here doing Young Adults, and so a lot of you guys know Liam. He's seven years old now. It's a little bit better, thanks, I guess. Um, then my daughter, Ryland, she's here now, and she's, uh, she's five years old, going on 17. Uh, this is our newest little Emery. She's also here. She's crazy. And this is my son, Lucas, and he is three years old, and so we have four crazy kids, and we love them. Miss my, my sons, but my daughter's here with us, and so um, I want to honor my family. We, I couldn't do what we do without them, and it's not just my work. It's us working together, and so secondly, I want to honor, of course, um, the pastoral staff here. My pastor, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. I mean, you guys just love your pastors. They're just amazing. And so I always text him. I text him often. I'll say, hey, can we talk for five minutes? And then our five-minute conversation turns into like an hour and a half. And it's great. I don't know if he feels as good as I do about it. But it's wonderful just to be able to talk with him, get his wisdom on a lot of different things. And, uh, of course, my good friend, friends, Pastor Isaac and Liz, we love them. Uh, Pastor Rob and Carly. Uh, Pastor Jacob and Linda. And I, we, we went to go see Jacob's baby yesterday. And uh, it just looks like Jacob. I feel like I'm just staring at Jacob. And here's what's weird is for a lot of you guys, I'm, a, I'm the young guy that you knew growing up. But all the young kids that, I, that, that to me were kids are now having kids. And I'm like, man, that's crazy how I stay young. But everybody's like growing up. <laughs> but, man, uh, so I want to honor them. Of course, Evangelist John, I don't think he's here. I think he's ministering in Pedro today. But, man. What, a, what an amazing uh, system. I was thinking about this when we were at the pastor's uh, retreat that me and John grew up in the church together. We were friends, got into a lot of trouble together. And then we're sitting next to each other at a pastor's retreat. And I'm just thinking, man, what an amazing move of God. How much favor is on this work, on this network that it's multi-generational, that the friends I grew up with are now ministering and pastoring together. And so stay, 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 stay here so that one day you'll see it too in your life, even if you haven't already. And last, before I get into the message, I'm not going to preach very long today. I do want to see what the Lord does. But I want to honor the hospitality team and the staff that's here that really just helped us. Um, Sister Sandy and Marlene, you guys are incredible. They're like, do you want coffee? And I was like, yes, I want it in the middle of services. And then I thought about that. I was like, that seems very difficult. <laughs> but, but anyway, so I want to honor them, of course. Um, you guys do a great job. So... The message, I don't really have a title for the message today, honestly. It's, it's really the idea of if we never want to lose the Holy Spirit. 
And this is something that, that is big in my life, and I know it's big in yours, and I know it's big in the church, is you can, you know, you guys are all singing, and you, I mean, it's easy to worship here, not just because of the way it looks now, although this is what I tried to make it ha- make happen when I was here, and as soon as I left, they got the LED wall, they got the speakers, they got automa- automatic sinks with the water just coming on, so I'm like, what? The? So whoever leaves next, I can imagine what else Paramount's going to get, but... Um, but it's easy to worship here because the spirit is here. And I just love coming back here. I love seeing what God is doing. And, and this thing is in our hearts that we never want to lose this precious spirit. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, it says, Now when, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? It's a whole message right there within itself. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In this moment, you see that Jesus, all that he had planned from the beginning, he's beginning to establish like the next phase of what's going to happen. He's beginning to establish the church, that the church would be a, a movement of something that changes environments, changes atmospheres changes cities and regions and he's he's telling them that that you have this authority and really what we find in the scripture is that the idea of the establishment of the church is based on revelation of who Jesus is that if we don't understand who Jesus is then how can we ever have a church because you understand that 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 who I truly am upon you Upon this life, upon this revelation, I'm going to build something. Jesus designed the church that we would grow together, that we would love one another, that we would our lives would be changed, that we'd begin to live lives that are led by the Spirit. And it's, it's, it's His Spirit in His church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 through 13 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. You're going to be up here all day with me. All right? Get comfortable. But I was going to ask him to do some jazz, but it's fine. See, even this, like I remember when he didn't even know how to play piano. And now he's your piano player. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. But what makes the church a church is not just a gathering of people. What makes the church church is not just a community of like-minded individuals. What makes the church the church is the Holy Spirit dwelling within the people and uniting the individuals to come together. This is, this is what's so significant about, in to, about today's society is that there's a lot of groups that meet in a church building, but there's not a whole lot of churches. 
Because a group is just a group unless the Spirit is there. A church, when it comes together, when you get together, what makes you the church is not that you show up on Sundays. It's not that you show up with your Bibles. It's not that you show up and you're ready to sing a song. Get up and praise, right? It's that's not that's not what makes the church. I told Pastor Mom, like that's like your theme song. Get up and praise the Lord, right? No, it's just me. Okay, I'm on social media. I guess not enough, but but that's not what makes the church. What makes this the church is the Holy Spirit. Because the, a group doesn't have the same power. A group doesn't have the same purpose. A group doesn't have the same mindset as the church. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against this, against the church. It's, obviously, the gates don't fight anybody. Right? Like, but what it represents in, 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 in these writings is that at the gates is when the government officials would come, is where the government officials would come together and they would have a council and they would meet together and they would plan and they would strategize and it was a place where there was a lot of, a lot of power implemented. So what he's saying in the scripture is that the church will become so powerful that all of the council of hell, all of the plans of hell, Anything that they put together and strategize to come against the church will not prevail because of the power that resides within inside of the church. How can't stop what God wants to do? It's, it's the enemy's desire that he would destroy God's plan. It's enemy's desire that he would destroy the churches. And he's very successful in a lot of places. And reach paramount. You have to be careful. That you do not allow the enemy to come in and bring division and bring sin and bring and bring gossip and bring and bring slander and bring all these things because if you're not careful, you can allow the, the counsel of hell to begin to strategize against your life. And if it strategizes against your life, it can strategize against your church. He doesn't want you to fulfill your purpose in this city. For a moment, I want you to not to think individually right in this moment. I want you to think corporately. Because I know not everybody here lives in Paramount. And we don't need to start fighting about cities, all right? But this church is, has been designated by God to be a light in this city. Now, yes, we are, you are reaching other states by sending people like us. You're reaching other regions. I understand that. But you are here for a purpose. And the enemy does not want you to accomplish the purpose that is placed on this house. And the purpose that is placed on this house is far more significant than you may understand. We are lampstands purposed by God to be a light to the world. Holy Spirit, speak through the message, God. Lord, let it be your word, your, your spirit, God, not mine, not my opinions, Lord. Let it be about you. I pray you would be glorified in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay close. You can stop, but stay close. And I know you guys are live streaming to this first service, right? Well, welcome to our online uh, family. Why don't we give a hand to those who are watching online?
Thank you for joining us. The live stream people are, are ultra committed because there's like thousands of other churches they could watch, but they're watching Reach. Isn't that amazing? So we are, we are purposed within cities, within regions as lampstands, you can call it. And we find this in the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 11 through 15. It says, write, that you, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, and to per- Pergamum. And to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one stood like a son, or excuse me, one like a son of man. Clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, the hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. Do we know who that is? So you see here in this, in this scripture, there are seven churches, seven lampstands in seven regions. And within those seven lampstands, you see that there was, there was one standing among them. And these seven lampstands were established to be a light into their region. They were established to, they, they were, they were there to establish heavenly culture where they were. Think about what God has done in this, in this city. I came into the door and I saw men ushering and worshiping who I, when I was here, they were prayer requests. Think about what God has done in this city. Think about how much your life has changed. Think about how much your, how, how your marriage had been restored and how your family had been restored. Think about how your mind had become, you actually had a renewed mind and you don't think the way that you used to think. You don't talk the way that you used to talk. You, you understand what I'm saying? But could it be that this church isn't just to save you? Could it be that we are here together as churches so that we can establish this heavenly culture that we are lampstands in this city you have a purpose here and it's our responsibility to shine in the cities that we are in individually and corporately that's why if you have a reach sticker on your car you better drive right If you go to the gym and you're wearing the Reach shirts, don't be a weirdo. (laughs) And you know what I'm saying, right? You know what I mean? Because your church has a responsibility. And this light that God has placed inside of you cannot stop shining. You cannot let it die out. Where we get the idea of a lampstand is, in, is, is within, within the temple, the ark, the, into the, ho- the, the, the walkway into the holy, the holy place. In Exodus 27, 20, it says, You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil for the light that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. Or another translation says that the lamp will always burn. That the lamp that's set up will never go out. And we understand, as we read in Revelation, the one standing amongst the seven lampstands was the Son of God. And it, in fact, it was, it was His presence among the lampstands that allowed them to shine. Because within us, by ourselves, we are dark. And there's no light inside of us. 
So when we encounter the everlasting light, Jesus, when, when we allow him to come into our life, what he does is he lights us up for everybody to see because he is the light within the lampstand. John 8, 12 says, Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 9, 5 says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, these are great scriptures because it's like, yeah, Jesus is light. I love that. that that's easy to, to preach. It's easy to believe that we need Jesus to light up this world. But, but then he kind of goes and he, he changes the tune just a little bit in the book of Matthew as he's, he's declaring that he's the light of the world. He goes and he says, you, you are the light of the world. Why are we the light of the world? We become the light of the world when the everlasting light dwells with inside of us. And a church that is supposed to be a lampstand within a city becomes a lampstand within the city when the light of the world dwells within the, within the house. We cannot change anything, anybody, or any city without the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that dwells within this church that enables you to become the light. But there's a warning to lampstands. There's a warning to churches. In the book of Revelation 2 verse 5, we're going we're gonna to stick in this book a little bit, actually for the rest of the service. And we're going to talk about the end times. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you hear Revelation, you're like, oh great, this is going to be scary. Oh, spooky sermons. We'll save it for October. <laughs> Revelation 2, 5 says this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. Do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Unless you repent. It is possible for a church to lose the Holy Spirit. And what pride says is it will never be us. It is possible for a lampstand to lose its light. Because the Holy Spirit leaves the environments that stifle him. The Holy Spirit will leave places that push him out of the way. He'll leave places that put him in the back rooms and, and for special services and special events. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit in this house. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit in your life. I like to think of the Holy Spirit, and, and I'm sure you've heard this before, especially because my brother preaches here a lot. If you don't know who my brother is, then that's okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love my brother, Evangelist David Diga Hernandez. You guys know him? I think he wasn't here last week. Yeah, he was here last week. And so he's pretty good, huh? I like him. He's a good, he's a good preacher. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, we, we like to say like this, the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. I picture him coming into churches because I've been to a... You, you need to get that? Anybody? Anybody? <laughs> 
Need to answer it? Is it the Holy Spirit? <laughs> did, I, did I miss his call? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, I picture him like a gentleman, kind of like, because I've been to a lot of churches where they have a lot of good things going on, but they're lacking one thing. And, and, and I picture him like in the back of the room of churches or in the back of the sanctuary, kind of like, all right, when are they going to let me in? I want to touch these people. I want to heal them. I want to restore them. And, and okay, maybe after their worship set, maybe when the timer is done, they'll let me. Maybe after the announcement video, maybe that'll be my opportunity. Oh, no, not yet. Oh, it's offering. Okay. Well, what's, they have two minutes for offering because nobody likes to talk about it. Okay, maybe after this, they'll let me in. Oh, the preacher's already up there. I haven't even come yet. How is he going to preach the word without me? And, and it's just waiting and waiting and waiting to one point the Holy Spirit might say, well, it looks like they don't really want me here. And we can pin that on a church. But where does he stay in your house? We can say, yeah, I don't want a church like that. But maybe he's at your house. In the, in the place that you should pray. And he's sitting there. Okay, I know they're... Okay, I know they got work in the morning. But they can get up a little bit early and meet me here. I... Okay, maybe, okay, they didn't, maybe after work, maybe during their lunch break, okay, oh, they went to get a burrito. You guys are blessed that you've got burritos out here. <laughs> okay, they're, they're not back yet. Okay, maybe tonight, oh, they're tired. Okay, maybe tomorrow, and if we're not careful, we can fill our life with everything else but Him. And we can stifle His Spirit within our life and within our church. And then we blame him. God, what's wrong with my marriage? He's like, I don't know. I'm not allowed in it. <laughs> God, what's going on with my kids? I, I, I'm not sure. You haven't talked to me about them in a long time. And we invite the Holy Spirit when we get desperate. And here's the beautiful part of it is he still comes. Do not stifle the Spirit of God. How do you stifle him in the church? You suppress gifts. I love this place because they don't suppress gifts. Now, just because they don't let you do it. Pastor, I have a word. I haven't seen you in like a month. <laughs> you got a word. The word you're about to say, I said it last week. You just weren't here. You couldn't hear it. <laughs> oh, well, and then we leave. Oh, there's the stifling the spirit of God. No, no, no. We're stifling your spirit because it's not of God. <laughs> but you stifle the spirit by suppressing gifts, by pushing them out, by being, being so afraid of weirding people out that you don't want him. You stifle the spirit by, by putting everything and setting everything up around the church without even thinking about him. You stifle the spirit by gossiping about one another. You stifle the spirit by slandering one another. You stifle the spirit by creating division and causing issues. You stifle the spirit by living ungodly lives. You stifle the spirit by having secret sin and still, and still serving and preaching and, and ministering. You stifle the spirit when you live counter to the way he's called us to live. And if we're not careful, and this is a scary, scary, scary thing, is that he may leave and we wouldn't even know it. Because you can get to this place in your life where you're functioning so good without him that you don't even know when he's gone. 
You can function so well in the church. We got it all figured out. We got planning center, the whole suite. We got it all done. And if we're not careful, we can do so good at doing church that he's not even there. And we wouldn't even know it. Judges 16, 20. We, how many know the story of Samson? I'm going to read the whole thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Samson, is, is, he has his strength. And it's, it says, I love the way it says, it's, it, he has his strength and his enemies are coming upon him. It's his hair. If you don't know the story, ask your Bible study leaders. They'll explain the whole thing to you. But it says, this is the point that I want to make in, in verse 20. It says, and, he said to, and she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. I told my church, it, it would be like us, like, oh, let me just cast out this demon real quick, like I used to. And then we try, nothing happens. Because the Holy Spirit might have left. Let me, just, let, me just, let me just conquer these things like I used to do it, but we don't understand, we don't know that he's left. And so there's seven warnings that I'm going to get through very quickly to the churches that we, can, that we can heed, that we would avoid stifling and losing him, okay? Revelation, we're going to read a few verses, and we're going to talk about these seven churches. Number one is the church of, of Ephesus. The, 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 these are the warnings to the churches. This is the church of Ephesus. And the warning is this, is a loss of love. Revelation 2, verse 1 through 5 says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven gold, golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. You're doing all these things right. I commend you. Imagine being that church like, yeah, all right. <laughs> this is good. This is a good letter. Reading it, reading it. Oh. But I have this against you. You're doing all the right things for the wrong reasons. Everything that, that you're doing is right, but you're not doing it because you love me. You're not doing it out of first love. You're, you're calling out these people that are theologically off, but you have no love. How can we have theological reverence and be void of love? So number one is loss of love. Number two is the church of Smyrna, and that's the warning of persecution. And I'm going to jump down to verse 10. Chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Persecution will come to those who actually stand. This is a warning saying don't give up when you're persecuted. Don't give up when you face trials. Don't give up when you're going through struggles. Don't give up. I'm with you. I'm guiding you. I'm helping you. This is not an if for this church. 
This is when it happens. And some of us, it's not an if persecution will come. It's when persecution comes, don't give up. Keep fighting. That's number two. Number three was the church of Pergamum. And the warning is compromise. Compromise. Revelation 2 Verse 12 through 17, And to the angel of the church of Pergamum write, The words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith. Even in the day of Antipas, my faithful witness who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they may, they may eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality immorality so also you have some who hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans therefore repent if not I will come to you come come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth they allowed ungodly teachings and lifestyles to infiltrate their church but here's the thing was the culture around them their region was known for for heavy idolatry and so what is this telling us? This is telling us there was a church in a city that I could imagine modern day thinking would have been like, look, if we want to reach these people, we have to act like them a little bit. So we're going to let some of these teachings that they all believe, we're going to let them float around our church because it'll attract them because we love people. It would be like us today saying, you know what? Maybe marriage isn't for just a man and a woman. Maybe it's, 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 it's not that bad. And maybe if we, we don't preach on it and we, we allow this, it will get more people to come. It would be like us saying, well, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't talk about abortion because it's really not, you know, we don't know the situation. We don't know what they're going through. We don't, but, but so, so maybe we should just let that linger in our church so that we can attract more people. It's a compromise. Here's the problem. When you compromise to attract the thousands, you lose the one, the one who matters. I will lose a thousand people before I'll let the Holy Spirit leave. Compromise is a warning to the church. Number four, following false prophets. This is to the church of Theatira. I had to like break these pronunciations up or I would have been struggling. Revelation 2.20, but I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. We must not allow false teaching to be followed by, by, by us. Now here's the thing. It wasn't just different theology. This is not like a uh, necessarily a theological conversation of like, you know, b b baptism or speaking in tongues or healing, whatever. This was a woman who was literally claiming to be a prophet that was teaching the things of the enemy, that was teaching wicked, demonic teachings in the church. Now, how does this apply to us? Because in today's world, we have a lot of religions that look like Christianity. In today's world, we have a lot of things that, that we were saying, well, it's not that bad, like, like universalism, new age teaching, tarot cards. Oh, I felt that one. Tarot cards, the little stones, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't even know like the details of it because I don't have any. <laughs> you shouldn't either. 
But these little stones, you know, well, it's for my healing. Why do you need a stone for healing when you got the one that can heal? It's, it's, it's for protection. I, I put this above my fireplace. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is true, but I don't know. Like the Mexicans, sometimes they put like things under the bed and, and the Mexicans. I'm Mexican too. I'm just, I never did that. <laughs> I'm, could, this is live. Oh, shoot. Um, the, the Mexican culture. Is that better? But there, there's all these things within different, different cultures. Here we go. Now we can make it right. There's all these things in different cultures who do all these things that are, that are ungodly, unbiblical. They're witchcraft. And we allow them to come into our lives. And listen, we may be cheering and teaching, but you know, it's just as bad as witchcraft is rebellion. And we allow these things into our life. If you have those cards, if you have those stones, throw them away. They're demonic. They're demonic. We're not afraid of it. Listen, the enemy, he likes to spook you out. Don't be afraid of it. Just get rid of it. You don't have to be afraid. Just stop being, stop being dumb. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop messing with things that are, that are witchcraft. It's a warning to the churches. I'm, I'm almost, I got seven minutes and 30 seconds. Number five, the warning to the church of Sardis is spiritual deadness. Revelation 3 verse 1 through 2 and to the angel of the church of Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars I know your works you have the reputation of being alive but you are dead wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die some of us are, are like Christian zombies I guess it would be the opposite actually that was not in my notes and I shouldn't say it again we are we look alive. Everybody on the, on the outside thinks we're doing well. Our pastor thinks we're doing great. Our Bible study leader thinks we're doing great. But inside, we're dead. Inside, we're dead. We have no prayer life. We're not reading the Word. We're going through the motions of religion. We're going through the motions of serving. We're going through the motions of everything. And we're dead spiritually. And he's look, the, 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 it's Jesus giving these warnings and he's like, look it, I know everybody thinks you're okay. But you're not. You're dead. The Holy Spirit's calling again. It's because my phone's on silent. <laughs> he's not calling me. <laughs> Number six, Philadelphia is the warning of weakness. Number, uh, verse chapter 3 verse 8 I know your works behold I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut I know that you have but little power and yet you've kept my word and not denied my name some of you are feeling so weak you're in a weak season you're feeling powerless you're feeling like man I don't know if I can go another day I don't know if I can go another season I don't know if I can go another week I don't know what I'm supposed to do because I don't feel his power and it's this warning it's this, it's this idea he's like I, I'm with you I'm giving you opportunities I'm opening doors I know you're weak I know you feel powerless but just keep going just keep going because when we are weak he is strong and number seven the last one it's to the church of Laodicea. And it's the warning of lukewarm faith. Revelation 3, verse 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. 
with that you were either hot excuse me either either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold I will spit you out of my mouth for you say I am rich I have prospered and I need nothing not realizing that you are wretched pitiable poor blind and naked I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and self to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and eat with him and he with me the one who conquers I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches this church thought they had it all they thought they had it all together you think you're rich, you think you're prosperous, but you're actually poor, blind, and naked. A lukewarm spirit usually thinks they are not lacking in every area they actually are. A lukewarm spirit will say, God, I'm good. I don't need you as bad as I used to. A lukewarm spirit is a spirit who prayed fervently for their marriage and now that it's healthy and strong, the prayers all of a sudden stop because it's, it's like, okay God, now I've got this. The lukewarm Christian is the one who got saved and, and was filled with the spirit and inspired and this, this fire was with inside of them and every day they would pray because if they didn't pray, they would fall. So every day, they knew how badly they needed God. They knew how badly they needed the Spirit. But somewhere along the, along the way, in their walk with the Lord, they started getting it all together. And now the prayer life suddenly stopped because I don't need Him as bad as I used to because then I was weak, but now I'm strong. I don't need Him as bad as I used to because I, I used to be poor, but now I'm rich. I used to be blind, but, but I can see it all now. I, I see, I don't need his help anymore. It's, it's a lukewarm spirit. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can rest in this. We can live in this lifestyle. Like, I don't need him as bad as I used to because I'm good now. Usually a lukewarm spirit in a message like this will say, well, I'm good. I don't, need, I don't even need to search my heart because I know I'm good. But a spirit who's humble and filled with the Spirit of God will say, Lord, show me the ways and the areas I'm weak. And this is what I love about this scripture as I'm closing. Most people read it, and, and when I used to preach here at, at the youth, you guys remember, I was always yelling all the time. And, and I did the young adults and, and when I would preach this scripture I always thought of it as mean like Jesus was coming down and he was really letting this church have it you know like I'm going to spit you out of my mouth like dang what's more vicious than that jeez this, we, we, I used to think it was just him like just yelling at this church and so when preachers preach it's like you lukewarm Christians get right with God 
But in reality, I think what this was, as you continue to read, was Jesus was more like, listen, listen, you think you got it all together, but you don't. You think, you, you think you're good, but you're really not. I don't, I don't want to spit you out of my mouth. I don't want to let you go. I don't want to. So what I need to do with you is I got to sit you down. And I've got to counsel you. I got to talk to you. Because I love you so much. I love you so much that I can't leave you in the state that you're in. So he sits, I, I picture him sitting down with him with this lukewarm Christian. These churches who are losing it. And I see him sitting down. And then I love the way he ends this portion. He says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Think about this. Has anybody ever betrayed you? Has anybody ever done something to you that offended you, that bothered you? Well, here's seven churches who offended Jesus. And what do we do when somebody offends us? We're like, I'm, psh, I'm not talking to them. If they want to call me, they can call me. If they want to talk. But he's saying, listen, you're lukewarm. You're losing it. I don't want you to. So I'm coming to you. I'm, I'm at your door. And I'm knocking on your door. Because I don't want to yell at you. I don't want to guilt you. I don't want to put shame on you. In fact, I want to sit down with you and, and eat with you. I want to restore you. I want to help you. And out of all of these warnings, what is the answer? Is to spend time with him. I just want to be with Jesus. I want to dine with Jesus. I want to talk with Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And this is this is it, church. There's no secret to this. this there's no secret to successful Christianity. There's no secret to building a, a strong spiritual life. It's just spending time with God. And if we're lukewarm, if we're compromising, if we're following false teaching, if we're letting our weakness cause us to quit, if we're doing all these things, we'll miss the moment with Him. And so today the call is simple. I'm going to make it very simple because I'm over my time one minute or seven seconds right now. This, the call is simple. If you've struggled with any of those seven things and you're saying, today, I don't want to lose him, then I want you to get out of your seat and come pray right now. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. I know there's more people in the room. I know it. You're, you feel that, that tugging on your heart, man. God, I don't want to lose you. Maybe you've lost the desperation for God. Maybe you've lost the desperation for Jesus. And you're saying, man, I want it back. I want, to be, I, want to, I want to pursue him. I want it to be the pursuit of my life to know Jesus. To spend time with the Holy Spirit. And today, if you're not saved, you don't know Jesus, you're, you're like, you've not given your life to Jesus. You're living your own life. You're living your own way. But today you're saying, I want to repent of my sin. I want to give my life to Jesus today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? From the front to the back, you're saying, I need to, I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved, and I'm not saved. Is that anybody in the room? Is there, is there a hand back there? Could you come up here so we can pray? Would that be all right? Come on. Can we give him a hand as he comes up? Praise God. Is there anybody else you want to give your life to Jesus today? 
today, I, I, if we could have some of the leaders come and pray with them. And Amen, amen. Could you? Pastor Rob is going to lead you guys in a prayer this morning for salvation. You talk to him. You talk to him. Come on, just lift your voice to the Lord. What are those things? What are those things that hinder you? What are those things that have stopped you? What are those things that have caused you to grow cold? What are those things that you've put before him? Just begin to tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. God, I want you. I want you, Jesus, over everything else, Lord. There's no one else. There's nothing else, God, only you. I don't want to lose your spirit. I don't want to lose your touch, God. I don't want to lose our relationship, Lord. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose the closeness, God. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.